Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Hey weirdos, it's Stephanie here. Before we get started on this week's episode, we just wanted to acknowledge that this episode is coming out on the anniversary of September 11th, which obviously impacted so many people in the United States and across the world. If you want to join the efforts to transform the anniversary of 9-11 into a day of doing good, we highly recommend you check out 911day.org, where you can learn all about how to do a good deed for 9-11, and you can also watch clips of stories of survivors and their families from the September 11th attacks. Thanks so much. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. We are back with episode number 101. We're back, weirdos. We're in the triple digits now. Yeah, from now on. I mean, I know it's obvious because we recorded our 100th episode, but how crazy that everything's going to be triple digits. It is. It is crazy. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise. We've seen this coming for literally years now, but... But it still is a surprise. (laughs) I know. We just want to thank you all again for those who helped us create our very special two-part 100 episodes, whether it was through your questions or your weird history stories. That was so, so fun to record. It was. I loved just listening to or reading all of your questions, reading all of your uh, short stories. It was such an amazing time. I mean, we were in the studio for hours and it flew by. Yeah, it really did. Especially because there were no, like, windows to the outside. Right. We're kind of in this little box with, like, blue lights and stuff. It felt very timeless. We could have done it for hours more. Exactly. It was like a Vegas casino. You just lose lose time. <laughs> lose yes. sight of time. Exactly. And not to get ahead of ourselves too much, but weirdos, I know what this week's episode is about. Andrew is doing this week's episode, and it is also very special. It is. I mean, I have brought this up actually multiple times now throughout the History for Weirdos saga. Yeah, since the beginning, maybe. And we we decided you would do this episode because one of the weirdos was asking, when are you going to do an episode on this? And it just, honestly, the thought had never occurred to me. I'm like, I talk about it all the time. I might as well do an episode on it. Yeah, exactly. So tell us, Andrew, what is this week's episode all about? Ooh, well, you know what? We're going to have to go way back in time. So in the year 1250 BC. That's kind of far away. Kind of far back. Yeah. The empires of Southwest Asia. So what we call the Near East were flourishing yeah 
They were they were having a great time, a great dandy time. The vibes were immaculate. The vibes were immaculate. <laughs> Egypt at this point was the strongest it had ever been in its like roughly 2000 year history. Oh my God. Yeah. The Hittite Empire in Asia Minor, present day Turkey, had fought the Egyptians and held their own in what was the largest chariot battle in history just a few decades prior. Wow. And that still stands to this day, by the way. Ooh, is that a challenge? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. No, it is not a challenge. That was not where I was going with this. Oh, okay. But that's, I like where your head's at. (laughs) They had signed the so-called eternal treaty, ending hostilities between the two great empires. And it was eternal. I'll give them that. Yeah. Not for the reasons they thought. No, but that's pretty accurate. (laughs) So Mesopotamia had consolidated power in the north under the Assyrians and the south under the Babylonians. Mm -hmm. And technically the ruling class of Babylon was made up of a minority ethnic group called the Kassites. But don't worry, weirdos and Stephanie, I'm not (laughs) going to quiz you on that. I was really worried. (laughs) I actually do get worried sometimes with your episodes because then you'll ask me later like, so remember when I said blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, yeah. yeah I totally, totally do. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have any questions for you okay. coming up. Okay, that's good. <gasps> or do I? Or do you? No, I don't. Okay. Or do I? <laughs> I feel like, again, getting ahead of myself a little bit, I do know quite a bit about this subject just from being your spouse. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do talk about this quite often. <laughs> and don't worry, weirdos. If you don't know already, you'll find out soon enough. So... The Canaanite Phoenician city-states in the Levant were powerful commercial centers, often under the control of either Egypt or the Hittite Empire, but they were thriving at this point. That's what's important. Mm -hmm. And although Mycenaean Greece is not a part of Asia, uh, they often traded and sometimes even came into conflict with these powers. So I'm going to include them in this tale as well. Mm -hmm. And their palatial-centered economy was the most powerful it had ever been. I mean, the vibes were truly immaculate, as you said. Yeah. (laughs) But within the next 100 years, it's actually more like the the next 50 years, all these civilizations would either be severely weakened at best or at worst just completely collapse. Mm -hmm. So what the heck happened? You gave a hint. Yes. Well, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite favorite (laughs) historical subjects of all time the bronze age collapse dun 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 yeah yeah so but before we get into it what exactly is the bronze age that's a very good question that you said you weren't going to ask me questions so that was more of a rhetorical question i'm going to just tell you like what it is right now excellent so it's a period of time where we call kind of like call what history is or where it began Mm -hmm. because the period before this is what we call prehistory. Isn't that weird? It is. Yeah. I mean, technically it's, it's still time and like (laughs) things happened. Right. But I'll get into why that is in a second, but it's an important distinction. Yeah. So this is really when what we call history began or what, what we think of as ancient history. Yeah. This is when it begins. So, Again, immediately before this area we had or era, we had what was colloquially known as the Stone Age, which is broken up into three different subperiods called the Paleolithic, the Mesolithic, and Neolithic periods. It's not important for this episode, but just wanted to drop some general knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that is part of what we call prehistory. Yeah, that makes sense. So 
The name Bronze Age is a result of humans at this point using the metal bronze in tools, artwork, armor, and weapons. Yeah. And this was a significant development because the metal was harder and more durable than stone or just plain copper. This was a huge development in the history of humanity. It's copper with tin, isn't it? You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was going to tell them that, but (laughs) thank you. Thank you for your spoilers right here. Oh, that that was a big spoiler. I'm sorry, weirdos. (laughs) So in terms of timing, though, when is the Bronze Age? Like when exactly? So... And the short answer is that actually it depends because it simply depends on where you're looking. So, for example, the Bronze mm. Age of, let's say, the Eastern Mediterranean, which we're going into today, mm-hmm. is going to be different time period than that of Eastern Asia, which would be different than that in Mesoamerica, mm-hmm. and then which is different than the one in Northwestern Europe. Are they like that? That's actually a really cool distinction to make that it really depends on what part of the world you're looking at. Are they, for those different regions, do you know if they're like generally around the same time or do we not know? No, no. We know the time periods. Like the ones in Mesoamerica is going to be a little bit later. The one in Northwestern Europe is also a little bit later. Um, The Mm. earliest is uh, like kind of that Near East, North Africa, um, like kind of area. So like Egypt and Mesopotamia. Okay. That's where the earliest portion is. And... Uh, but since we're yeah, and again, we're since we're talking about this time, the Bronze Age for this particular area or era is estimated to be roughly between around 3300 BC, mm-hmm. all the way to 1200 or 1150 BC. Wow. Yeah. So it's a long time period, yeah. and don't get too attached to these dates. It's really just more of a reference point. Mm-hmm. And we could even further subdivide these periods into the early, middle. And late Bronze Age. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so by the end of the Bronze Age, the trade networks that had been established um, were really widespread. And in fact, the extent of which would probably shock you. Really? Yeah. So because of science, we know that tin mined as far west as Cornwall, England, has been found in the Near East at this from like during this time. That's crazy to think about. Yeah. And... On the opposite end, uh, tin as far east uh-huh. as Afghanistan. Wow. Yeah, has also been found. So you have this massive network that spans from southwestern uh, present-day England all over Europe, North Africa, the Near East, and all the way to Afghanistan. That's insane. Yeah. And That's- this is, again, this is like, think about this, guys. Like, this is really far back. Like, Rome wasn't hadn't even been founded by this point yet. Yeah, this is ancient, like, all caps. Yeah, ancient. This is before classical antiquity. Yeah. Like, when I say Mycenaean Greece, this mm-hmm. w- Mycenaean Greece would be, like, the ancient Greece to the ancient Greeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kind of amazing. That is incredible. This... The fact that the trade was so well developed really speaks to the immaculate vibes of the Bronze Age. (laughs) I love this. I love this theme that you have with immaculate vibes. I hope it continues. The Bronze Age. Immaculate vibes. It's not going to continue for them. No, no. But. Because then the title of this episode is The Bronze Age Collapse. Yeah. So that really is counterintuitive to immaculate vibes. That's true. That's a very good point. Very Mm -hmm. important distinction. Thank you. I know things. You do know things. <laughs> you drink and you know things and you don't drink. I don't drink and I know things. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so you're like halfway to Tyrion. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, back to this. The world was just more interconnected than it had ever been to our knowledge at this time. And it was all going to come to an end. Yeah. Not immaculate vibes. No. So in fact, one of my favorite archaeological finds just ever was a shipwreck found in the 1980s off the coast of Turkey in the Mm -hmm. Mediterranean. And it's really cool because the shipwreck, it's called the Uluburun shipwreck. And it probably sunk sometime around like 1320 BC, give or take. Wow. And it's crazy because of radiocarbon dating that they could actually, Mm -hmm. yeah, they know this. And what's insane about this find is like, it was carrying a full cargo during this time. Mm -hmm. And we got a glimpse into the world that existed, like just through all the products that were on one ship. I guess commerce really tells you so much about, uh, values of the time period right what is valuable yeah what do, what do people need 100 percent. that's yeah. really well like really well said the crazy thing was is that it had tons literal tons of raw copper mm-hmm. one ton of raw tin which is tin is rare so the yeah. fact they had a, a literal ton of it is it pretty impressive they had canaanite jars blackwood from egypt tortoise shells ostrich eggs cypriot pottery arrowheads spears daggers scale armor from mesopotamia swords from greece italy and canaan Mm. as well as various fruits and nuts from all across the mediterranean oh my god okay two things come to mind Mm -hmm. one no wonder it sank that sounds really heavy (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a lot of stuff it is a lot of stuff and two you uh this is just a fun thing for the weirdos to know I believe it was for my birthday or Christmas. They're very close, so sometimes I forget. Andrew last year got me a necklace that is the exact replica of a Cypriot necklace that was found Yeah. Um, in an archaeological dig. Yeah, and it comes from the Bronze Age. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think even the late Bronze Age, actually, funny enough. And it's like my favorite necklace. It's so, it's still so beautiful. I know. It's it, it, very, very fashion forward, like literally thousands of years old. Very timeless. Yeah. What the design is, at least. I wish yours was. That would be really cool. Yeah. It'd probably be worth a lot more. <laughs> yeah. We'd probably sell it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't donate it to a museum. Wink. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just realized the weirdos couldn't see me winking. That's why I said <laughs> yeah, wink. Thank you. I know. Sometimes I forget that we're not actually on camera and it's just you and me. Well, you know, I think that's probably for the best. We, we're literally sitting here in purple robes on our couch. It is. It's true, guys. I'm not even joking. It's 100% true. Matching purple robes. Mine says Mr. Her says Mrs. Yeah. Very cool. Basically, the reason why I gave this long list of mm-hmm. of the manifest, and it wasn't even fully complete. I actually left off like most things. Wow. Yeah, but the, these are just some of the highlights. It's basically just to highlight the fact that this trading network in the ancient world was just way more complex and interconnected than we often give credit. Yeah. So even politically, we can we can see the advent of international diplomacy really start to begin during this time. Between not just like kings, but mm-hmm. actual like nation states. So Never cool. been done before. Yeah. It was usually like an, a personal agreement between like one monarch and another. 
and like the country wasn't really <laughs> involved yeah. yeah yeah but now this is more like thinking of like a country yeah which, the country as an entity as a being like what's in the country's best interest right versus which, the king i mean for i mean for most of humanity even like after this point that's not really the case right so Absolutely. it's pretty incredible i mean it, it was a very advanced time so uh, the best example of this is from a find in Egypt during the late 1800s mm -hmm. in a city now known as Tel El Amarna. So this is a body of correspondence between Egypt and other parts of the Near East in the 14th century BC, 1300s BC, most notably the Hittite Empire. Mm -hmm. So they ranged in topic from diplomatic marriage, friendship statements, and exchange materials, like think royal or state gifts to one another. Mm-hmm. And they're a bit peculiar because the writer, the king or monarch of their state, will address the recipient as, quote, unquote, brother. Oh. It's kind of as a way of asserting that they're equals and mm -hmm. not in some sort of senior, junior partner relationship. Mm-hmm. The... Equals <laughs> and that there's some level of intimacy or yeah. trust, right? Brother, yeah, family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you'll see in some correspondence, like if it is like indeed like, and I'll read an example later on, they will, they won't call the person brother. If there is like a, a certain like uh, level of equalness, it's, or equality <laughs> equalness, um, they'll address the person as like father or something like that. Wow. That's so interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I, I just think that this, this point of view to see like the mechanics of international power politics from like 3,300 years ago, mm -hmm. roughly is really interesting. It really is. Yeah. Because it, it shows you how different and similar things are. Yeah, at exactly. At the same time. I think that's so cool to see. Absolutely. I mean, literally thousands of years ago, but still it kind of, some of these letters read, Oh yeah. Like, the verbiage is really weird, but right. like you could, you could see that today. You could see that people's like general, like concerns may be the same or yeah. their desires or their goals. It's really interesting. I know things change, but they say the same. Yeah. So now since this episode is about the end of the bronze age and the cataclysmic fall of empires and to a greater extent, like even the ends of like ways of life, Oh my God. I know. We're not going to go into more detail about this, the general period itself. Okay. It just doesn't make any sense. There are some incredible podcasts. So if you want to hear more about this period of history, I recommend you go check those out after this episode. Mm -hmm. The one that I listened to was called The Oldest Stories uh, podcast. Oh, yeah. You love that one. I love that one. Yeah. And he really does a great job of, of like diving into kind of the mythology and like the tales as well as the actual history itself of like this time period. So definitely recommend go check that out. But when we talk about the bronze age collapse specifically, there's always one group of people who constantly come up in conversation. And if you know, you know, Oh, I know, you know? Yeah. I think I know. <laughs> Should I say what I think? Yeah. Oh God, I hope I'm right. Is it the Sea Peoples? You're right. You're oh, right. thank goodness. So the aptly <laughs> named and mysterious Sea Peoples who are typically blamed for the collapse of civilization um, in the Eastern Mediterranean at this time. They're, people love having other people to blame. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you can picture it like a large marauding group of warriors coming from the sea, pillaging and burning cities that dare to exist. Right. Taking like these like this these immaculate vibes and making them not immaculate <laughs> yes and 
I mean, I almost picture like Vikings, but like 2,000 years before Vikings were even a thing. 2,000 years yeah. before Vikings were even a thing. Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah. And also just the name of the Sea Peoples is very mysterious. I'd say almost mystical. It is, right? Yeah. I mean, and to this day, we don't, we still don't know who they are. Like, their Sea People's origins are obscure, and they are debated still to this day. Yeah. We have an idea. Um, most likely, there was some sort of, like, confederation of different ethnic groups from the Aegean, coastal Asia Minor, and the Levant. But it's kind of just a guess. We think they may have been refugees, right, of natural disasters in those regions spoilers oh my gosh spoilers it sounds like you really know a lot about the bronze age collapse babe it's almost as if i like talk about it constantly or and make you watch documentaries on it (laughs) that's true we shared that on instagram right we we did Yeah. were you sick i think i was i can't remember why but i believe i was sick yeah i think you were sick and i was like do you want to watch a movie and i was thinking like back to the future or something like that and you wanted to watch the documentary on the bronze age collapse no regrets. Yeah. No regrets. <laughs> I completely lost my train of thought there. Okay, here we go. So originally, historians thought that this group more or less came out of nowhere to bring like death and destruction to civilization, starting in the late 1200s BC and throughout the first like half of the 1100s BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the first quarter, I should say. Um, but here's the problem with this entire premise. It's actually just wrong. Yeah. That's way too simple. Yeah. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, did the Sea Peoples leave a wake of destruction along their path across the Mediterranean? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But were, are they the sole reason for the collapse? Absolutely not. Yeah. And in fact, we'll be discussing how, in some ways, they were most likely victims themselves. Mm. So instead of thinking that this group was the determining factor of the decline of civilization, they were most likely the effect of larger macro issues at play. Hence the spoilers I gave. Spoilers! (laughs) And again, this is just why I love archaeology and science in general, because it can help us answer questions that just couldn't otherwise be answered. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? So starting in around 1250 BC, which is like when I began this episode, (laughs) (laughs) I've been going for over 3,000 years. (laughs) That got me <laughs> when I began this episode. <laughs> like there wasn't even electricity like up until like a couple <laughs> so, hundred years ago. So you had a podcast. Less than 200 years ago. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying, weirdos. So starting around 1250 BC, rainfall became much more scarce. And in fact, in 2014, researchers from Israel and Germany analyzed core samples taken from the Sea of Galilee and determined using radiocarbon dating that the period from about 1250 to 1100 BC was drier than at any point previously during the Bronze Age. Okay, so they're facing a drought. Yes, a mega drought. A mega drought. Mega drought. Damn, us Southern Californians know all about that. Yeah, those. we know all about that. <laughs> So this was confirmed a few years later when samples from stalagmites were analyzed in caves in Cappadocia, or central area of Turkey. Mm-hmm. And we saw that and actually in that documentary. Oh, yeah, you're right. So basically, this was a drought that lasted for roughly 150 years. So a mega drought indeed. Oh, my God. That's generations. Generations, yeah. In drought. Generations and generations in drought. Exactly. The Egyptians and Babylonians were mostly spared of the drought 
simply because of the proximity to the rivers like the Nile for the Egyptians and the Tigris and Euphrates for the Babylonians. Yeah. And, you know, with the drought, though, like the big effect of that is crop failures, which leads to less food, which means famine, yeah. which can then also lead to less resilience to disease, which further exacerbates the issues at hand. Mm-hmm. Especially for children. Yeah, exactly. It's like mm-hmm. kind of like a rolling a snowball down or yeah, snowball down the hill. Yes. It just keeps on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's sort of what's happening here. No one's having a good time. And you quickly start to see that this has a pretty negative side effect. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of already talked about it a little bit and you gave a spoiler, but we'll go into it in more detail in, in a moment here. I didn't realize my knowledge was so advanced. It's so advanced. It is. <laughs> so, that's not the only naster, natural disaster that's happening at this time. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. So there's mega drought, and there's then there's mega more? Drought. There's more. So Amos Noor, he's a geophysicist from Stanford, and he conducted a study that determined that during a 50-year period from about 1225 to 1175 B.C., the larger kind of eastern Mediterranean world was hit with rapid-fire series of major earthquakes known as an quote unquote earthquake storm earthquake storms <laughs> yes i've it's never not like heard a of that storm that causes it's just like it's just called i think he just called it an earthquake storm like it's a it's storm just, of earthquakes exactly yeah that's terrifying yeah so this is also happening while there's a just massive drought happening drought and famine and then earthquake storms yes so imagine this like let's just say you're a city of a or a citizen of a bronze age city there is a full-blown famine happening because of an ongoing drought. Your city is always are like already on the brink of collapse. And then boom, massive earthquake absolutely just bodies your community. And after reality sets in, you'd probably think, how could this get any worse? Unfortunately, the answer is it can. Oh my and it God. does. So this isn't happening in just isolation, right? Like yeah. within one part of the world. This is happening all over Greece, the Aegean, Asia Minor, Mesopotamia, the Levant, Syria, and Egypt. Yeah, hence, I guess, the concept of earthquake storming, too, right? If they're hitting multiple regions. Exactly. Those fault lines were popping. They were popping. So, remember, when I said that you would be surprised at how like interconnected the world was at this time? Mm-hmm. So, this was one of the reasons that societies were, were so advanced at this point. Yeah, they're interconnected. They're just super interconnected, right? And unfortunately, it also led to their downfall. Because so, they're so interconnected. Because they're so interconnected. <laughs> oh, yeah. The late Bronze Age way of life was really dependent on this trade network. But the famines, earthquakes that were happening really started destabilizing entire regions and led to just generalized strife. Mm-hmm. So you have mass migrations, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. to civil wars. The response to natural phenomena just made these things even worse. Yeah, unfortunately, groups of humans aren't always at their best when there's a lot of external stressors. <laughs> That's a really well said. <laughs> Thank you. Very yeah. diplomatic too. This chaos was probably just unfathomable from our point of view. Oh yeah. And also, this is so silly, but this came to mind. Earthquakes when none of their buildings are up to code. None of them are up to code. <laughs> it's not like anything's built to withstand an earthquake. I know. As 
citizens or residents of Los Angeles, yeah, uh, we know how important like earthquake code is. Yeah, because even like when we have like smaller ones, right? Um, there was recently like that six point five that came from Ohio or whatever. Right. It's still like you feel the building rock a little bit. Right. And exactly. th- these are buildings that are built for that. Yes. I can't imagine these poor people. No. I mean, just complete devastation. Yeah. And this devastation uh, just leads to chaos, which leads to just major disruptions in trading and the general supply chain across the Mediterranean world. Mm-hmm. With these networks essentially just ceasing to exist, commodities like tin stop flowing into the region. Yeah. And remember, this was a pretty rare metal and... Mm with the biggest deposits coming from Britain and Afghanistan. And if you don't have tin, you can't make bronze. Right. Which was vital to all societies at this point in time. Yeah, it's your building materials, right? Like you, your tools are made of bronze. Your tools, your weapons, your armor. Like yeah. it, even artwork, yeah. all, all bronze. I assume like kitchenware, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's important. It's an important metal. And you can see like a sort of domino effect starting to play out here. The early view of all of this was very linear and I don't want to portray it as that, right? It's not just like, Oh, this thing led to this thing led to this thing. There is some cause and effect, Mm. but it's more likely that just everything was happening all at once. Which speaks to the chaos, right? That they would have been experiencing. It's like, if one of these things happens, it's like, okay, like there's a devastation, but the, you know, civilization can rebuild and then things would people heal over time. Right. You just kind of get back to like normal again, but you know, it's again, like it's happening all at once. And when you look at the mass migrations that happened during this time, it really, really shows how big an effect, like this is happening on everyday people, especially when, if resources are limited and they don't have any sort of, I'm just thinking they don't have any sort of knowledge or technology to, well, they have like some, but not advanced to fight disease with mass migration. Disease is going to spread more as well. Right. Exactly. Oh no. Yeah. It's just a bad time. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, let's get back to the sea peoples. Yeah. Let's, let's get, get back, back to, to them. them. So remember this image of the bronze age Vikings going on pillaging spree and how mm-hmm. I said it was largely a misnomer. Mm-hmm. You do have these mass migrations of people, which do include warriors, but you also essentially have kind of like we said, like ecological refugees, including women and children fleeing from famine, disease, and warfare at home or a combination of these. Wow. That's really hard. It is. And it's really hard to discern, you know, who exactly are the sea peoples versus bandits roaming around, taking advantage of the situation. Oh yeah. That makes sense that there's both, right? There's probably people looking for new homes to settle right and then there's definitely there's always people taking advantage of crisis exactly like i we know assyria um they were affected by this by you know the bronze age collapse definitely but they did continue on like their civilization continued um it wasn't interrupted but like they the way they did that was they kind of like they were bigger before and they kind of just like coalesced around their like core cities instead and they just abandoned communities like the people just left and just like went to like the like the capital and like the major city centers like in the heart of assyrian territory so they sought refuge in numbers exactly consolidating essentially yeah but you what ended up happening is like these 
abandoned cities more or less. Yeah. They started like these warlords like kind of took them over. And you had yeah. yeah, like these bandits that would just live in the the ruins of like these old cities. Mhm. Mhm. The the image is out, is it like outstanding like in my head like it would I have been so dangerous to leave your core city exactly to go out and see the world at all or to look for other resources or anything would have been so dangerous then exactly like the image that comes to mind a little bit is kind of like when the romans left britain mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you have like london where by like 500 between like 450 and 500 a.d like it's just deserted it's a ghost town mm-hmm. complete ghost town and you have like some people kind of like living in there like in the ruins of like of like yesterday's world yeah it's spooky it's really spooky yeah definitely like apocalyptic vibes yes immaculate vibes gone apocalyptic vibes here to stay (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) so like one it's really interesting because we have some records of uh kings like in this area or Mm -hmm. this era like writing down um what's happening and so for example one of which we have a record of a plea from King Amurapi, who was the last monarch of a city of, called Ugarit, which was an ancient port city in present-day northern Syria near Asia Minor on the Mediterranean coast. Mm. And the plea was immortalized in a clay tablet addressed to the ruler of another nearby state begging for assistance as his city was about to fall. Mm. I'm going to read it in its entirety as the urgency and just pure desperation and his cry for help is just so palpable okay and remember what i what i said about like my brother and my father yes you're gonna hear an example of this so quote my father behold the enemy's ships are here my cities were burned they did evil things in my country does not my father know that all my troops and chariots are in the land of hattie and all my ships are in the land of Luca? Thus, the country is abandoned to itself. May my father know it. The seven ships of the enemy that came here inflicted much damage upon us. End quote. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. That sounds so sad. Even thousands of years later, that broke my heart. Yeah. And the ruler of Karkemish, it's a region just north of Ugarit, they sent reinforcements in a response to the king. But They did? He would never get a chance to see the reinforcements or read the response. The king and his people were... The city of Ugarit was completely destroyed. Wow. We don't know if it was the sea peoples or not, but, you know, the attack did come from the sea. So most likely we yeah. think it's the sea peoples, but again, we're not sure. We'll, no- we'll never know for certain. That's insane. Yeah, because chaos was like the true master of this time. Yeah. And Ugarit was not alone. Mycenaean Greece would completely collapse. And even their language would be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. We've talked about that, I think, in other episodes. Right, I think we have. I think when you spoke of Sappho. Yes, that's mm-hmm. true. I did. I mean, it's crazy because like, even today, their writing, which is called Linear B, mm-hmm. that's just what the name that we've given it, um, has only been partially translated, not fully that's nuts yeah, even to this day and even the ancient greeks if they were to look at it they probably would not know what it what yeah. it was what it said yeah it's interesting this is just a quick little tangent yeah 
I know that it's like quote unquote natural for languages to die, right? That's like part of just human history so far. But it's to me, it's still so sad every single time because you lose so much information. You right. lose so much culture. You lose so much knowledge. It's so heartbreaking to think of all the things we don't know because we haven't like we've lost the language. It's like heartbreaking and infuriating at the same time. Yeah, I want to know because I want to know. I want to know the things. All the knowledge that's been lost is truly heartbreaking. Yeah. In fact, speaking of, you know, heartbreaking, like the written word would completely disappear in Greece for 450 years, more or less. And what would rise like afterwards, Mm -hmm. that language, that the Greek language would be linguistically completely different, like not even related. So they started over. Yeah, it's they borrowed from the Phoenician alphabet and just kind of created their own alphabet. Yeah, because like linear B was like a not quite an alphabet it was like partially an alphabet then also partly like uh like cuneiform yeah it was strange i I mean i'm not an expert on it so i can't tell you more than that and this in fact this area or this era of greek history would be known as the greek dark age Mm. yeah wow the babylonian empire the hittite empire and other city states along the levant syrian anatolia would completely collapse as well Oh, my God. Yeah. With lots of these cultures just gone forever and never to return, most notably the Hittites. The Hittites, yeah. Like completely done. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're pretty certain that the Sea Peoples were the reason for the destruction of the capital city of the Hittite Empire, Hattusa. Yes. That was in the documentary we watched, Hattusa. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Hattusa was a, a major city of, at the time. And yeah, complete collapse. We still, I mean, the ruins still exist to this day in Turkey. And if you ever get the chance to see them, um, I would highly recommend it because it's beautiful. Definitely going on the list. Oh yeah. There's in fact, there's this one gate where you can still see like anim- like the giant carvings of animals, Whoa. like kind of as the gate guards, quote unquote. It's That's really cool. so cool. Yeah. So, but interestingly though, um, there were some areas that would remain largely unscathed, and I'll get to that in a second. Okay. But I think one of the most interesting things here is that um, there's a theory that uh, the Sea Peoples were the catalyst for the destruction of Troy. What? Yeah, I know. Oh my it, gosh, I don't think I knew that at all. Yeah, and it, again, like it, it's, it's a, a theory. theory. It's mm-hmm. a theory. We don't know. But don't even get me started on the irony of the Mycenaean Greeks sacking Troy to have basically their entire civilization destroyed within a generation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know it's just kind of weird reading like the Odyssey, for example. Yes. And Odysseus tries so hard to get back home, right? Obviously it's, it's myth, but the fact that, you know, he gets home, but you know, like if you know history, you know, that it's like this, his way of life, it's going to end. Yeah. It's, or I mean, who knows? Maybe, those Greeks that like that sacked Troy and then like came back, they might've come back to a land that was very different than the one they left. I'm sure. I don't like, I don't think the Odyssey goes into that, but I'm sure that was the case for yeah. someone like Odysseus. Right. Cause it kind of fits in this time frame. Yeah. Like, the, like science or scientists, um, 
I guess scientists, technically archaeologists, like think that the sack of Troy would have happened like roughly around like twelve hundred BC, roughly. Wow, and it could have the Sea Peoples could have been a part of that. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. So the areas that remain largely unscathed were the Phoenician Canaanite cities of Tyre, Byblos, and Sidon in particular, and as well as Elam in present day kind of western uh iran okay yeah just east uh, on the eastern side of the zagros mountains wow and you know others would survive but not really ever fully recover and the most notable example of that is egypt Mm, yeah and the last remaining power that i mentioned briefly earlier assyria would at first be a shell of Mm -hmm. its former like glory but would become a dominant empire again, but that's centuries away. Right, right. Yeah. That's like separate from these events almost. like it's, Exactly. It's yeah. like in the aftermath, like generations and generations and generations it, later. Yes, it took that long to heal to be able to get back into a position of power. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly correct. So some of these collapses, again, were due in part to the Sea Peoples, um, but not all. So the Egyptians under Pharaoh Ramses III would fight off the Sea Peoples, or the Peleset, as they called them, at the pivotal Battle of the Delta in 1175 BC. Delta. Delta. <laughs> it's also theorized that a certain... A portion of the Sea Peoples would settle in the southern portion of the Levant and become known as the Philistines. The Philistines. The Philistine. Yeah, Philistine. You're such a Philistine, babe. Oh, I know. Okay. Also, wait. I have to tell people why you said Delta like that. Why you went Delta? Oh yes, thank you. I know. I didn't even realize I did that. Honestly, <laughs> that's our bird's name, and she's like a Pokemon. She just says her name over and over again, but she's a bird, so instead of saying like Delta, she goes like Delta. Dare time. Yeah. Dare time. And that's Dare why time. Andrew says it like that. <laughs> yeah. In case you guys didn't know that. Well, I'm sure none of you knew that. You so. don't live with us. Why would you know that? It's true. <laughs> but sorry. Go back to your, your story. Thank you. Thank you. Your tale. So by 1150 BC, the region is, you know, completely devastated. Right. And this part of the world would forever be changed. Yeah. Uh, but what are like the consequences of all of this? Mm-hmm. Tell me. So large-scale construction would essentially cease for centuries. Like, the infrastructure that was needed to support these massive building projects was non-existent now. That makes sense. Infrastructure is an easy one to let go of, right? It's right. like a thing of luxury. Exactly. Like, yeah. if people are abandoning cities, like like the roads and, like, yeah. waterways or, like, you know, canals. The temples. Yeah, temples. Stuff Thank like you. that. You don't... You don't need that. Right. Yeah. Or even just like the big monumental projects. Right, right. Those are done. Walls, city walls, things like that. Wow. And writing was incredibly scarce during this time. So we know that, again, like the Mycenaean script called Linear B would disappear, never to be resurrected. And this is the most stark example. But we see like this all across the Mediterranean world. And this makes sense, especially when you realize that only about 1% to 2% of the population could write. Yeah, yeah. And these folks were mainly scribes who were more likely not going to survive the harsh realities of this new world. Yes. So, you know, people were kind of SOL. Yes. 
absolutely. It's such a small amount of people that can read and write to begin with. How exactly. Is, how is that going to survive all of this chaos? Right. Mm-hmm. But one interesting thing that does happen is iron starts to become more widely used and largely replaces bronze as a metal of choice for tools, armor, and weapons because it's cheaper. Cheaper. I mean, it's more readily found. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't need to smelt like two different metals together. Yeah. And um, it could cut even better than bronze. Oh. In some in some regards, and then eventually, you know, steel would be made from iron, mm-hmm. and that would be like the true weapon of choice, mm-hmm. or the true metal of choice for weapons, especially and tools as well. So, and you know, this kind of ushers in a new age, the Iron Age. What? Yeah. <laughs> And this is, you know, it's during this age in particular where Assyria will gain prominence and rise to new heights and become more powerful than any nation in history up until that point in time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Assyria still has, like, its heyday in front of it. Wow. Even though, like, it's really, you know, it's really shrinking at this point in time. Right. Right. But it's it's going to recover and surpass its former state. It will. That's Absolutely. Fascinating. Yeah, but, you know, that's a story for another day. This is the Bronze Age collapse, after all. (laughs) So, in the twilight of these Bronze Age empires, as mighty civilizations crumbled and the world, like, seemingly dimmed, humanity's indomitable spirit did endure, paving the way for new beginnings and the dawn of a new resilient chapter in humankind's ever-evolving saga. Wow. That was so well said. Just wanted to end it on, like, a high note. Yeah. Because, ladies and gentlemen, my beautiful weirdos, this <laughs> is the Bronze Age Collapse. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. That's it. Wow. That's fascinating. I have heard you talk about this multiple times, and I still learned new things. Oh, thank you. It's hard, like, because, again, like, we're talking about, like, a hundred-year period, and it's not just, like, one country or one area, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about, like, a large larger ge- like geography that's part of like a really interconnected portion of the world that's very 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 large yeah no that's it's it's different cultures like you said different languages and they're facing like tons of chaos all at the same time right that's really complicated and so much is understandably theory exactly because there's no hard evidence of like oh yeah and then this happened and this happened and then these people came yeah but this was fascinating and I, I hope the weirdos appreciate as much as I did finally getting to hear the full story of the Bronze Age collapse. <laughs> yes. Or at least, you know, our full story. Yeah. Because you have referenced it so many times. So many times. I think I've jokingly jokingly referenced it too. I think you have. Yeah. yeah just because you talk about it a lot. I do. I talk about it all the time. But that was awesome, babe. Thank you so much. Thank you. And just before I forget, my sources for this episode come from the hist- history.com. National Geographic, WorldHistory.org, The Collector, and our favorite, Wikipedia. Wow, that was awesome. You took us on quite a journey this week. I tried to really like paint like a vivid picture of, you know, society kind of collapsing. And, you know, that's... When, <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, right? <laughs> and when you're talking about this, it's not just like one sort of event. It yeah. really is a series of a lot of things happening kind of all at one point and we kind of put it under one umbrella yeah but they are like a lot of different things happening all at once just like kind of like shit hitting the fan all at once yeah but we're so removed from it in time that it kind of makes sense that we chunk it together exactly all these different events 
as like, oh, the Bronze Age collapse. Yeah, and like the collapse of civilization is really the result of all these things just happening. Right. No, I, I fully I fully saw your vision with the journey. I felt Thank you. very vivid. Thank you. Yeah. And weirdos, actually speaking of journeys. Oh, snap. This is just a loving, friendly, fun reminder to join us on our journey to Rome next year. Yeah. We're doing a trip with the wonderful weirdo community to Rome and Florence. We're so, so excited. For those of you who've already signed up, uh, keep an eye out. We're going to email you to add you into an Instagram group so we can all start talking and planning and even just talking about the podcast and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that, please. Yeah, exactly. Beautifully said. I'm so excited for that trip, honestly. Yes. Yes. Thank you again to everyone who's already signed up. If you haven't signed up, we highly recommend you do it. This is going to be such an awesome experience. So much history, so much good food, good people, good times. Good vi- immaculate vibes, would you say? I would say the vibes are going to be immaculate. <laughs> and I promise there will not be a Bronze Age collapse while we're there. A Bronze Age level collapse. <laughs> Man, I really hope not. <laughs> I really hope not too. <laughs> and also, just a, another reminder, if you don't follow us on Instagram, we do provide updates and you get to see some behind the scenes stuff over there. If you have Instagram, follow us at History for Weirdos. And... Don't forget to, you know, do all the good things, rating, reviewing, subscribing on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us grow. It does. And this community is so incredible. You guys are so awesome. And we just want to see it just continue to get bigger. Yeah, we love it. We've absolutely loved connecting with you weirdos. Thanks for listening to us ramble about the weird stuff that we think is cool. Yeah, it really makes our day, week, month, year. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. And thank you, weirdos, for listening. Thank you, weirdos. And until next time. Adios. Adios. Adios.